Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! Today is November 28th, 2015, here in the lovely Perry District, where things are going back to normal after a week-long power outage and lack of internet for many of us here in Spokane. It's nice to have life back to business as usual. Towards the end of the power outage, we had our first snow. So there is snow on the ground. That's another curveball. <laughs> I wasn't quite expecting this early in the season, but it was nice to walk around in the snow and examine the footprints and the story fresh snow tells. For today's episode, we will go over Pish Posh Words Feedback 1. This is Season 1, Episode 8 of the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility. Today's listener challenge is Prepare Basic Needs. This listener challenge came about due to the power outage. I was not as prepared as I could have been. I was not expecting a power outage of this magnitude over a week. The longest ones I've been in have been a day or two. It seems the power companies are pretty quick about flipping the lights back on. Today's listener challenge is about being prepared, staying ready so you don't have to get ready. (laughs) Had I stayed ready, I wouldn't have to get ready nor would I have a empty refrigerator. (laughs) And that's one of the items we will talk about in the preparing basic needs is to have an ice chest on hand in case the power is out for an extended period of time. Perishables can be kept within a desired temperature. For the basic needs, let's go ahead and go over some ideas. These are objects, things, In hindsight, I may have been better off had I prepared a bit more. The basic part is to stay ready, whatever that may mean. Each person is going to have different basic needs. I recommend having some rations on hand in order to fulfill those basic needs. On the show, we talk about having extra batteries on hand. That's something I think is beneficial year-round regardless of a power outage or certain complication. It seems as though whenever I need a battery, I don't have one (laughs) in the past. (laughs) Since I've bought in bulk and keep batteries on hand, that seems to really help increase my happiness, where if I need a battery, I got a battery. If someone else needs a battery, I have extras. It's a win-win situation all around. Have a couple flashlights on hand. That was something I am prepared for. I do keep a flashlight 
working flashlight. <laughs> That's another lesson I learned. A non-working flashlight is a less than optimal device when needed. <laughs> Check the flashlights. Check all of these items on some sort of regular basis. Maintaining items, cycling them out, uh, devise some sort of a system that works for the self and the family unit. Okay, so we have batteries, working flashlights in two locations, candles, battery operated or open flame. There are some really neat battery operated candles these days. I have been a big fan of them. They have timers and I use them for keeping time. I'm, I'm not a big fan of clocks for whatever reason it is. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I tend to like to wing things as much as possible. I also use an hourglass. I'm a bit more into primitive ways of keeping time. A camping stove or barbecue, gas, propane, whatever that may be. It, when the power is out, a barbecue may be a useful way to cook. If that's not quite doable, camping stoves are available at sporting goods stores for relatively cheap. That was something I missed, was warm food. A week without cooking at home proved to be a bit challenging after about day five, especially because I am very specific about my food, my, my system. Uh, once a week, I buy a bunch of fresh vegetables and chop them up and make a soup and use them for all kinds of things. And to have that basic system go to a halt was a bit jilting, but I like it. <laughs> now that I'm back into the land of normal, I appreciate cooking. I cooked the first meal today and it was awesome. So much more awesome than when it was a part of a schedule, in a sense, a subconscious process. It became a conscious process because it was new again. I needed to be more aware because it had been so long. It had been over a week. So my brain is essentially a new brain now than it was back then. Extra water, food rations, some sort of filtration device in case the public water system is non-potable, not drinkable. Having clean drinkable water on hand as well as a filtration device I think is perhaps a good idea. As well as food rations, non-perishables. On the show we talk about, I believe they're called MREs. They are essentially I think freeze-dried food where if boiling water is added to the little packet then magic, poof, food happens. <laughs> Add water equals food. <laughs> it's pretty neat. First time I had one was at a Dave Matthews concert at the Gorge Amphitheater, a beautiful venue. I encourage folks, if there is an opportunity to go, to take it. It's a bit interesting. It's a camping venue, so we set up a tent and camped out and then walked over to the venue. It's an experience. And my friend that I went with is in the National Guard and had some meals and 
taught me how to make them and some basic survival skills and how to have a great time at Dave Matthews. <laughs> Fond memories of adventures with these interesting food items. I've also had them with other friends camping. It seems, yeah, yeah, Mustachio's pointing out I don't have any. <laughs> and uh, once I do my weekly shopping trip, I am going to purchase some. Practice what I preach. Blankets, extra linens. I had a few water complications during the power outage. It would have been nice if I had a couple extra towels and kind of clean up things and to keep warm. I think it's a good idea to have blankets, extra linens as well. Uh, freezer packs and an ice chest. I do have a few freezer packs and on I think day two, I moved them from the freezer to the fridge to cool it down. So that may be another idea to have the freezer packs and then put them in the refrigerator and it'll essentially act as an ice chest or purchase an ice chest. And out here in Spokane, it was uh, below freezing at some points around freezing. And I was able to put the ice chest outside. <laughs> Keep things cool. Basic first aid, certain items, uh, alcohol wipes, band-aids, things of that nature. And learn where the water and gas shutoffs are for the house. This was something growing up in California was taught in the schools for residents to understand how to shut off the gas and water in case there was some sort of emergency. So I do encourage families to be familiar with the utilities associated with the home. As well, is the heater gas or electric? Is it okay to run them if they are gas when the power is out? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a ding dong. Uh, I have a gas furnace and the thermostat is upgraded and it's new and I live in an old house and I assumed yellow zone because the thermostat was fancy and all that, it was hardwired meaning it requires electricity in order to power. <laughs> a couple days into the uh, power outage, a friend came over and just went over and pushed the up button and the display lit and it worked fine. It's battery operated. <laughs> Had I known this, I would have regulated the heat. We talk about on 3H2 how the main goal of what we're doing here is offering shortcuts, offering mentoring and thought seeds, critical thinking, potential new paradigms, a bit of a Disneyland for the brain. <laughs> and through these experiences, I learned the importance of understanding utilities in the home and perhaps prior to something happening. A battery-operated radio may also be a good idea. There are many people who continue to operate on the FM and AM stations. There are national weather reports, road information, weather condition information. Having a battery-operated radio may be a good way to keep in touch with information that is currently difficult to attain otherwise. 
Also, contact numbers in pen and basic info. Most of my friends and family's phone numbers, I don't know through memory. They're in my phone, I push a button and voila, uh, I get to speak with them. I would recommend writing down some basic contact info, maybe addresses that may be needed, instructions for care of family or pets, things of that nature may be beneficial if the head of the household isn't home. Perhaps put information about the utilities, if they are operable during certain conditions, what to do, kind of a basic information sheet. And this could be a fun event for a family to do on the weekend. Get together, teach and learn about one's home about its basic functioning. And with that, we talk about a mutual benefit where if one family is overly prepared, it may help another family who is not quite as prepared. So the family that has all their basic needs prepared for, an info sheet ready to go, will be of a higher level of consciousness, an ability to think critically at a heightened capacity when basic needs are taken care of. If a person's basic needs are lacking, their mind is going to be fixated on achieving those basic needs. All right, so that's the stay ready so you don't have to get ready. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's the listener challenge. I did miss my dum-dum relax time. Oftentimes, when I think deeply for long stretches of time, I want to shut my brain down (laughs) and just be a normal human. To do that, I like TV shows and podcasts. I tend to watch the shows multiple times to grasp a deeper understanding of the pink zone behind the creators of the TV show or podcast. So as a little extra for all y'all out there who've been working hard and could use a little bit of fun, yet educational, I consider these shows educational. (laughs) Essentially anything is educational as the brain grows and improves upon new stimuli. So for the TV shows, number one, Da Vinci's Demons on Stars. I found out about this show about a week ago. It is awesome. (laughs) A friend recommended it to me because he said I reminded him of Leonardo da Vinci's character. How he's investigating, pushing limits, in touch with the spirit world. Many components of human life that are rarely depicted on television. Leonardo da Vinci was a fantastic human. And it was recently I found out he essentially mastered the mind and body. I imagined him a bit like Einstein, just a normal physique. But I am under the impression he was muscular, uh, consciously kept his body fat down and muscle strength heightened. On the show, they depict him as a vegetarian. I have not fact-checked that. And I haven't fact-checked any parts of the show. And for the time being, I don't want to. I want to 
view Leonardo da Vinci as the folks who created the show envision him. Because it's a TV show. There's going to be fun and fantasy mixed in along with historical accuracy. I think that's brilliant television. A bit of history, a bit of fantasy, and a whole lot of fun. That is Da Vinci's Demons. I have watched the first season and am in the second season right now, and I am excited to watch it all and then watch it all again and see what I missed to analyze the hints in the show. I think they do a fantastic job of giving the audience a breadcrumb trail with hidden pieces. The second one is Carnival. This is on HBO. It is the show which inspired me to get into tarot cards and tarot readings about two years ago. I watched the show and shortly thereafter learned tarot and then devised my own idea of what the tarot cards mean. The tarot cards I use and the cue cards I created to identify the meanings of the cards are something I continue to use to this day, motivated by a TV show. Who would have thought? Da Vinci's demons? Da Vinci gets shit all over. People tell him he's crazy. None of his ideas work. Why does he always push the limits? Why can't he just be normal? All the same crap people tell me. (laughs) I find inspiration in strange places. (laughs) Number two, Carnival on HBO. Number three is How to Make It in America. This is another HBO show. I do like the HBO, essentially cable TV shows. I don't watch reality or... Uh, laugh tracks, they drive me crazy. I, it's difficult for me to watch a show with a laugh track. <laughs> so I'm not really into that kind of stuff. I'm not really into the crime dramas and all that either. I have found that networks such as HBO and Stars, Netflix, these streaming devices without commercials are fantastic. How to Make It in America gives an inside look at certain perspectives on entrepreneurship. The show keeps it real. (laughs) They present many perspectives similar to Da Vinci's Demons and Carnival that are not as common in mainstream TV programming. So that is number three, how to make it in America. Number four is Dead Like Me. I watched this on DVDs many years ago. I was at a hotel in Seattle and there was a marathon on. I I couldn't believe it. It was the most wonderful thing ever. There I am in Seattle and I was beat, exhausted. I didn't want to go out and roam the town as I normally do. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to the hotel and watch a little TV and relax. And then bam, dead like me, marathon. A gift from the heavens. This show as well presents unique perspectives. Many perspectives I had not considered. Also the characters I feel are really well acted and depicted, believable. It was as though I was sitting at the table with them or investigating alongside. Great show, Dead Like Me. It may be available on Netflix. I'm not 
quite sure where it is now. With the magic of the interweb, I imagine it's possible to find it somewhere. And the fifth one is an oldie but a goodie, Futurama. I love this cartoon. I didn't love it back in the day. It didn't click with me. It took a long time. But once it did click, I fell in love. <laughs> there are many hidden jokes, hidden layers, witty humor, theories of the universe. Similar to The Simpsons, extremely intelligent people write the show. I feel motivated to be an explorer when I watch Futurama. That's what these five TV shows essentially do for me is... Uh, Offer me motivation. Give me hope I am on the right path. Being an introvert and an explorer of consciousness, <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of humans who provide me comfort and support. <laughs> As we shall see in today's episode, with the Pish Posh Words feedback, being a bit critical. But that's okay. That's how Mustachio and I learn and grow. Positive experiences can be found when they are looked for. All right, five podcasts that are some underground favorites of mine. Number one, Mysterious Universe. I love this show. I am so pleased at the journalistic perspectives the folks take. They deliver content and then let the listener decide what to do from there. Fantastic journalism. They report on fringe issues. I'd like to see a bit more of a positive twist on things. Every now and then they have a happy story or something of that nature. I'd like to see a bit more. I think uh, the talent of that show is amazing and I am excited to see the new direction that the show is taking and uh, great job guys. Mysterious Universe. Number two, Women of the Hour. This is hosted by Lena Dunham. I recently checked this show out. I was a bit apprehensive. I tend to not really enjoy the mainstream podcasts. A lot of the content I don't relate to. Complications with Facebook and Twitter and, you know, just things that aren't really on my radar. But I was impressed. Lena Dunham does a great job of offering perspectives, telling her story, telling the story of others. I believe she too has a positive journalistic outlook and her end goal is to deliver a story rather than an agenda. I think that's great. Keep it up, Lena Dunham, women of the hour. Number three, a subconscious mind mastery with Thomas Miller. Great show, one of the few podcasts to approach consciousness. And he does a fantastic job of telling his story, offering thought seeds, exploring consciousness. I would consider his approach to be of a mentor where he doesn't say what's right and wrong and good and bad. He says, hey, this is what happened. This is what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? He's uh, very humble. I would call him and his show a humble approach to consciousness. Great job, continue to shine over there at Subconscious Mind Mastery. Number four, The Freelancer. This is hosted by Paul Jarvis. He is another podcaster who kind of shoots from the hip. 
relays his experiences and gives thought seeds on freelancing, entrepreneurship. I feel as though he has it pretty much together to where he lives the life he preaches about. I think sometimes successful business people lose sight of personal goals and personal life. Paul Jarvis appears to do work he loves and then in turn loves his personal life as well. I think it's a a yin and yang. They uh, balance each other out and he is a great perspective to examine for people who want to be freelancers, entrepreneurs, or to hire a freelancer or an entrepreneur, learn about the ins and the outs of that industry. And the fifth one is hashtag make tech human. I listened to this show for the first time today and was very pleased with the guests and the host. I'm excited to see the direction of this podcast as well as the episode I listened to spoke about technology improving humanity. That's the kind of stuff I want to hear. Rather than technology and destruction and CNN, Fox News, whatever, pish posh nonsense, how can technology improve our lives? What can we do during the technology revolution to improve tomorrow? Mustache, you and I talk about diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. It does appear as though the folks over at hashtag MakeTechHuman are on to something. <laughs> All right, so there's uh, 10, 10 little goodies. I do love the 10 lists. Two fives equal a 10. We got TV shows. Number one, Da Vinci's Demons. Number two, Carnival. Number three, How to Make It in America. Number four, Dead Like Me. Number five, Futurama. Five podcasts. One, Mysterious Universe. Two, Women of the Hour. Three, Subconscious Mind Mastery. Four, The Freelancer. And five, Hashtag Make Tech Human. All right, so Mustache was saying it's about time to wrap it up. (laughs) We went over the listener challenge, prepare basic needs, the little goodies for all y'all out there working hard, looking for some fun, new, educational, inspiring dum-dum time. With the main episode coming up, season one, episode eight, we go over 16 comments with regards to the soft release of Pish Posh Words. The format of the show consists of 16 items. I read comments from Pish Posh Words and then the readers comment with regards to the idea presented in the book. Answering the questions was enjoyable. As tough as it was, I enjoy a critical thinking challenge, and I feel as though this critical thinking challenge was the boost I needed in order to understand why I received constant harsh criticism towards my work, towards what we're doing with 3H2. I have a deeper understanding of the who, what, where, whys, and hows. I feel calmer, more grounded, Now that I've explored some of the weaknesses and strengths held within Pish Posh Words. So for example, number 10, the comment in the book, 
Understanding is a keystone of intelligence and deserves conscious awareness. The reader's comment. Understanding deserves conscious awareness, WTF, as opposed to unconscious. Being conscious is being aware. Look it up. They are synonymous. Statements such as that, I went into depth as to why I hold the positions I hold and the logic behind those positions. If there's anyone out there who has additional feedback, I do appreciate it. Each little bit helps, no matter how big or small. A flickering light on this journey is a light appreciated. (laughs) And on a side note, I do like to end on a positive note. I was down at the shop here in South Perry. I spoke with a gentleman who asked what I was working on when I was working on the rebuttal for the comments. And I told him I'm writing a book on conscious communication. And he looked at me a bit puzzled and I gave him my business card and it reads health, happiness, and humble. I feel as though he understood what I was doing. He looked at me and smiled and said, good for you in a sincere fashion. And that one comment, that one new person I'd met believing in me was all I needed. It uh, wipes away all of the pish posh criticism I've received. That's what I do. If someone offers me a kindness, it's as though all the baddies go away. (laughs) And I do encourage folks to explore a perspective of this nature, allowing kindnesses to mean something because I feel as though they do. All right, so (laughs) that wraps it up for now. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy. November 19th, 2015, at about 9.30 in the a.m. here in the lovely South Perry district of Spokane, Washington. Currently, we in Spokane and some of the surrounding areas are experiencing a major blackout and power failure due to a windstorm uh, two days ago. Avista was kind enough to send email updates on the situation. I think they're handling everything quite well. As a customer, I feel informed. The current numbers they state are 180,000 customers were affected at the height of the storm. 42 major transmissions are out and 23 substations. So that's quite a large scale loss of power. Initially, I had thought the power outage to my home was due to fallen trees or some sort of house to pole, uh, a less severe type of damage. During this power outage, I've had a lot of time to reflect. (laughs) More so than usual, which I didn't think was possible. (laughs) 
So here we go back to infinite possibilities. Many stigmas I had a couple days ago, I no longer have. My world has been rocked and I love it. It's uh, healthy for me to change my daily habits in order to better understand the person I am. In the past on the show, we have talked about reliance on public assistance, how we as a culture here in the United States rely heavily on the city and public workers to help us with our basic needs. We discuss as well that this is not right or wrong, good or bad. It simply is. Viewing it as such from a logical proof of reasoning type of perspective, I think is a constructive approach to minimizing the severity of situations such as the one we're in right now, where the power has been down for a couple days. There are able-bodied people at home with their chainsaws just in the garage getting dust instead of out there as a community working together. Uh, Luckily, (laughs) every now and then the universe tosses me a bone. (laughs) I was reflecting the first night about this, about how in the past there was a bit more of a tribal effort rather than a reliance on public assistance, where the person using the chainsaw to get rid of the downed tree was a neighbor rather than a paid public worker. And I wondered, where are all these people with chainsaws sitting in the, in the shed gathering dust? Why aren't these people out there working together? I uh, was shown that my idea of truth was indeed false. Oftentimes I go for walks. I just walk around the neighborhood. It provides exercise. And I feel as though, I I believe kinetic is the right word, but I'm a kinetic being to where I got to keep moving in order to keep moving. (laughs) Like those watches that the battery is powered through movement rather than uh, essentially a self-contained device. So I'm going on a walk, getting my kinetic energy. I see some folks outside cleaning up a tree, the tree's all cut up. It was the first scene I witnessed where the cleanup was in the final stages. So I spoke with the gentleman. He clued me in on what happened, how there was a downed tree, someone came by who was a carpenter and could use the wood from the tree, chopped it up, put it all aside. It was a communal effort The homeowner didn't want the downed tree, (laughs) although it could make firewood. Uh, The carpenter thought outside of the box, viewed something different than what the everyday person would see. Uh, At least for me, I I saw a downed tree firewood. That's what it's going to be used for. I was pleased to speak with the gentleman, hear the story of how the street was cleaned up, The homeowner benefited, the carpenter benefited, and the neighborhood as a whole. The tree was blocking traffic. Due to their efforts, the street was cleared and there was a mutual benefit. I strive for in my life is creating situations of mutual benefit where both parties benefit. Somewhere along the line with marketing gimmicks and pyramid schemes and all that nonsense, there was a disconnect with the mutual benefit where one person gained a substantial 
amount greater than another. So it was essentially, it was mutual on a certain level, but not what I would consider a true balanced mutual beneficial relationship. So for today, (laughs) our listener challenge is going to be a bit of a two-stage one. It's going to be uh, prepare for a natural disaster such as a power outage, earthquake, hurricane, tornado. The earth does some crazy things and many of them are predictable to a point to where by the time the knowledge is received, it's essentially quote unquote too late. So let's, uh, as a two short says, stay ready so we don't have to get ready. Fortunate that I grew up in a house of this nature where it was one of our family codes. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And it, uh, it was awesome. With that, there have been times where there were natural disasters and because our family prepared and had extra food and water, flashlights, things of that nature, we were able to give them to people in the time of need. So I do encourage folks for today's listener challenge, it's to be prepared by batteries in bulk. Uh, What I do is I, uh, every, you know, couple years or so, I check the inventory. I get bulk packs of each measure, AAA, AA, C, B, D, have them on hand. I've found that It seems when I need a battery most, I don't have one. And I am a walker. I like to walk everywhere. And walking a mile and a half to the store to get a battery eh, isn't always fun. (laughs) So I like to prevent that. (laughs) So with the listener challenge, be prepared. Have extra batteries, flashlights, water, food. Uh, Something as simple as a camping stove can boil water, allow it to be drinkable, uh, cooking food. Many REIs and sporting goods stores, there are essentially army meals. At these types of stores, sporting goods stores, there are meals which require water to turn into food. It's like magic. If someone had these a hundred years ago, I believe they would be considered a magi. (laughs) We do recommend having basic supplies on hand and to consider slightly more perhaps for other people in need to prepare for oneself and one's family as well as creating an ability to give a mutually beneficial situation. Okay, (laughs) that's the listener challenge. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And we'll do one story time. Mustachio's giving me the A-OK. Okay, Okay. (laughs) so one story. During the power outage, I have been frequenting the shop. It's a coffee shop and eatery here in the South Perry District. And I've noticed that people there have been abundantly friendly. There's something about breaking the routine. I think that's the core of it. So putting a natural disaster and those types of things aside and really looking at what is going on on a fundamental component level. And I believe this to be a change of patterns, a disruption of 
everyday norm. And we're gonna go over that in a bit more detail, how the brain processes new information. And I believe that is one of the reasons for the joy, for the friendliness, is because instead of doing the same mundane robotic movements, us here in the Perry District have uh, <laughs> had our worlds changed. <laughs> And for me, it was a part of my daily routine to go down to the coffee shop and grab a cup of coffee and do some writing and just kind of hang out a bit. But recently it's been different. There was a line out the door. People were plugging in their cell phones and computers. There was an extra strip for electricity. It was madhouse <laughs> mayhem. <laughs> when on an average day, there would be a handful of people there. And on a real, real busy day, the seats would be full with usually about one, maybe two people at them. The population more than tripled. To see the situation, people being friendly was comforting to me. This was something I had prayed for, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> I wanted to see what would a world be like where people were abundantly friendly, where the basis of communication was soul-based, where robotic everyday movements were removed and conscious awareness, present moment awareness is had. I was able to experience that. I had wonderful conversations with several people over the last couple days. Oftentimes I talk about how I'm an introvert and I don't like chit chat. The conversations I've been having recently weren't about chit chat. I've been speaking about the street lights, the power outage, how in the past there was a bit more of a communal effort. So I'm exchanging ideas with people. That, those types of conversations I enjoy. If it's an exchange of ideas. There's an old saying that goes something to the effect of, Ignorant people talk about other people, regular people talk about ideas, and the great ones execute those ideas. So in my head, I see it as three layers of a conversation, everyday chit-chat, gossip, nonsense, then ideas, hey, this is what I think I'm going to do, and then the next step is doing those, being a part of whatever it is that's being created. My favorite is that top stage. I'm a doer. I'm happiest when I'm doing something. Most days I would rather clean the house than sit and read a book. I can clean the house and listen to a podcast, so I'm multitasking. That's my happy place. My least happy place is the gossip, the, oh, my friend, blah, 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 and oh, the, it's just, ah. I have very little, little, uh, <laughs> little patience for that. <laughs> But recently, the conversations I've been having are about ideas and execution of those ideas. The two top layers of conversation. It has helped me to overcome the introversion I experience, the lack of desire to connect with other people. When in some ways that statement is a fallacy because I do desire to connect with people, but on my terms, I'll admit that. Uh, it took me 33 years to admit that. <laughs> oh, good one, Mustachio. He says it's like in Pretty Woman, where Richard Gere says something to the effect of, it took 
$10,000 in therapy for me to say I'm angry at my mother. <laughs> Sometimes it's the seemingly obvious things within our lives that are most difficult to confront. And right now I'm confronting my introversion. The power outage has really pushed it along. <laughs> I'm to the point now where I engage in conversations and I'm much more friendly and happy and I'm experiencing the pink zone with others. That's really another fundamental component is pink zone versus yellow zone. Gossip is yellow zone. Oftentimes, I don't even know the people these people are speaking about. So how can I fully grasp a situation if it's through someone else's biases and filters, lacking logic, lacking some sort of proof of reasoning? In contrast, the pink zone is where there's a mutual understanding. I was speaking to a gentleman the other day in line at the coffee shop. He had said... In other places, besides Spokane, people were more friendly. People made eye contact and waved hello. But here in Spokane, people don't do that. And I said, I disagree. I consciously look people in the eye and wave. I act when I see others. Thus, I've created a friendly environment. Nine out of 10 times, if I smile, nod, wave, say hello to someone, that person will return the greeting. So I interpret Spokane as very friendly. Nine out of 10, that's pretty high. I would consider that a pretty friendly place. It's about perspectives. <laughs> and having conversations of this nature where instead of me just saying, oh, okay, because it takes too much effort to explain my position, I was in a clear headspace to say, I disagree, and have an adult conversation with someone I had just met. And what was really neat, another person in line chimed in and agreed with me. If he does the same, smiles or makes eye contact, then the person returns that. And essentially, friendliness may be more of an internal emotion than an external emotion. So that's a little thought seed for today. What is friendliness? Is it internal or external? <laughs> okay, so we're mixing things up today. I uh, am going to admit without hot water and lights and all that, I have not taken a shower in a couple days. I haven't really eaten much. Uh, so I am in a less than optimal state, but... As Mustachio says, the show must go on. Okay, for today's show, we will dive into some pish posh words feedback. These are comments from the first draft of the first section of pish posh words. So what do I mean by that? It's taken me years to condense about a thousand pages of writing into 10 concepts. That's what pish posh words is. It's condensed. <laughs> and I'm having difficulty articulating. So people were kind enough to offer me thought seeds and we'll go over some of those thought seeds today. In contrast to my belief, reality, <laughs> 
is much different. I thought pish posh words would get rave reviews and oh wow, oh Lynn and Mustachio, you guys really broke down conscious communication. Hey, high five. Yeah, <laughs> that did not happen. Uh, we experienced the opposite end of the continuum rather than acceptance and praise. The majority of feedback questioned our validity and was perhaps not ingested. I feel that is a failure on our part. We were unable to concisely and digestibly deliver content and that's our fault. That's one, there's one of my favorite sayings, there is no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. I believe this to the core of my being. Essentially what I believe this statement is saying, it's the teacher who has reached a higher level of thinking, a higher level of consciousness. In a sense, it's up to them to figure out how to relay that information, similar to a parent and a child. It's, uh, I believe a teacher and a student presents a similar situation where patience is a virtue. So this is yet again, another patience exercise. I uh, don't uh, believe in the word expert, but uh, (laughs) oh geez. (laughs) And I would like to thank folks out there After the initial release, essentially soft release of Pish Posh Words, I had a moment of despair. I I was feeling a bit down. I can admit that. It It was tough. It was mentally challenging to ingest emotion based feedback. I was hoping for logic based feedback, but I received mostly emotion based, and that's difficult for me to grow and expand from its yellow zone Uh, phrases such as this is wrong okay what does that mean it's wrong so the words are immoral they are some sort of sin like to me that doesn't logically make sense to tell someone that a sentence is wrong i believe there is some sort of usable information within that person's thought Yet I need to assume in the yellow zone why it's wrong because it lacks an explanation. This was a similar problem I ran into with Trish Blackwell when um, she went over the pish posh words. There was mostly yellow zone responses and I created a counter argument similar to today's and she didn't respond. And uh, that baffles me to this day, as I would think a leader would want to be in the pink zone with people. That confuses me. I'm very confused. There's no power. I haven't showered in a couple days. (laughs) Oi. (laughs) But we will continue. Okay, enough of the the chit-chat. So, and with... The feedback from Trish Blackwell and from the people I've spoken with recently, I have been able to rectify some of my own faults in viewing the faults of others. One of my 
grievances with the feedback is oftentimes there's no example. So within my own writing and within the book, I give an example because it irritates me when people say something like that thing is bad. Okay, what is that thing and why is it bad? It lacks an example. I'll admit some of my examples are a little rough. This is new. I've only been doing this example thing for eight months or so. Please have patience with me. point out any examples that don't make sense. Perhaps it is in the wording. All right. And for the Pish Posh Words first round feedback, there's no 10 list. There's several points. We're going to watch the hourglass and just wing it, see how it goes. So yeah, here we go. Pish Posh Words feedback. On a normal recording, I print out the notes and walk around and talk. But for today, the printer (laughs) requires electricity and uh, we currently do not have electricity. We're hanging out here, battery operated computer with some battery operated candles and water instead of tea. But all is well in the land of 3H2. The layout of these are the statement within the book, Pish Posh Words, and then the reader's comment with regards to the statement. So what I've done here is given an example and then the comment with regards to that example. So if I simply gave one or the other, I believe it would be an illogical approach to this. So I did want to present what I said and then what the other person said, and then this is my rebuttal, my return statements. (laughs) Number one, If comments are vague or lack an example, ability to ingest information within a conversation decreases. The comment, does it have to be a conversation? No, it does not have to be a conversation. The book is subtitled, A Conscious Approach to Communication. An objective is to cover several aspects of communication. The above comment is under speak in the pink zone. To stick with this theme, I chose the word conversation as it implies speak. Number two, in summary, the pink zone is a shared understanding of stimuli, meaning an object or concept is tangible. The comment, objects tangible, never concepts. I disagree with this statement, objects tangible, never concepts, because concepts are perceivable. Definition of tangible, perceptible, especially by the sense of touch especially by the sense of touch leaves room for perception beyond material objects. Definition of perceptible to perceive. To attain awareness or understanding. Second definition, to become aware through the senses. Please note senses. To infer more than one sense may be used to attain awareness. Through more than touch, may humans explore tangible sensations. By this definition, do you consider sound tangible? Number three, if words and thoughts do not match, slow down a discussion and ask questions. Investigate. Is the topic one where variables are measured with a similar lens? Comment. Don't tell your reader what to do. Tell them what is needed for pink zone. Lenses don't measure, they distort or focus on. Dot, dot, dot. 3H2 Humans is about mentoring with an objective to mentor rather than convince. I encourage people to critically think rather than blindly follow because I said so advice. 
The above offers open-ended directives, lacking specific instruction. I don't say which questions to ask, nor do I explicitly comment on how to investigate. This book is about lessons I've learned along the way through trial and error. I view them as shortcuts rather than telling someone what to do. Mentors have offered me shortcuts. I hope to do the same, return the favor, pay it forward. I hope those who read this book will be mature enough to filter out advice which does not apply to them. I agree. Scientifically speaking, lens is misused. I meant it metaphorically, as in the lens which humans view things, the rose-colored glasses or lack thereof. Each unique academic discipline has their own unique vocabulary. Wise readers recognize a word's meaning may change depending on which discipline is evoked. For example, unconscious. In quantum physics, the un is understood to mean unity. In American psychology, the un is understood to mean lacking. Quite strange, the same word has opposite meaning depending on the application of the word. A writer chooses meaning as opposed to the reader when seeking a pink zone understanding of information. Use caution when exploring unfamiliar disciplines as sometimes the obvious is false. Do you agree with the above shortcuts advice with regard to a productive conversation? I guess I don't understand why you felt as though I was telling the reader what to do as opposed to offering a different perspective. Number four, humans can talk for hours and produce only a few mutually ingestible variables. Comment, variables are things subject to change. Maybe you mean ideas or concepts? Variables are subject to change. Word meaning is subject to change as well within a dialogue. For example, lens, as discussed in number three above, is a word with varied meaning. To me, it is a metaphor often used in psychology as a colorful way to describe a mindset. To you, it is a device used to distort or focus. This, our miscommunication, is not right or wrong, good or bad. It is simply yellow zone. We lack a shared understanding of variables, namely the variable known as lens. With this being the case, I would consider lens to not be a mutually ingestible variable between us. If you were speaking with a lighting specialist and I were speaking with a psychology student, we would both likely enter a pink zone conversation as our variables would be mutually ingestible with the other person. In contrast, you and I hold a varied meaning to the word lens, creating a yellow zone disconnect. Yes, the interpretation of words are subject to change as they possess an unknown value when in the yellow zone. Once variables enter the pink zone, variables become concepts. I believe your definition of variable is similar to mine, lacking concrete properties. Essentially, Effort put forth through yellow zone vocabulary may produce undesirable results when considering optimized communication. Comment. But may be desirable too? Who are you to judge what is optimal for other people? I don't recall judging people. I view the statement in question as my individual perspective. Each human possesses unique neuronal connections. Similar to a fingerprint, no two brains process information exactly the same. This book is my brain fingerprint.
Those who are well-read tend to understand a reality consisting of individual perspectives and view advice as such, as opposed to judgment. To better understand a reality of individual perspectives, before agreeing or disagreeing with the viewpoint, first ingest, reflect, and modify the viewpoint. Partake in critical thinking. The above statement is one part of the process. I offer a nugget to ingest. How the reader reflects and modifies the information is up to them. Humans are creatures of free will and capable of critical thinking. We choose which information to hold and what to discard as nonsense. In essence, it is the individual who is the judge as opposed to another, as implied by your comment. Number six, expand further when relaying information as to remove assumption-based pish-posh words. Comment. You aren't removing words, but adding to them to make more descriptive. Don't tell reader what to do. Instead, expanding further dot dot removes dot dot. Yellow zone equals reading is good. Pink zone equals reading exposes a mind to new perspectives. Please reread the example you are referring to. Good is a pish posh word. This word was removed from the first statement. Definition, remove, to get rid of, eliminate. The word good was eliminated from the word formulation. I believe this to be, by definition, a removal. In telling me what to do, are you committing the same act you desire me to seize? Forceful instruction? Number seven, reading exposes a mind to new perspectives. Comment. Does reading always expose a mind to new perspectives? Please reread the above statement. Always was added by you. Ironically, always is a pish posh word as it is an absolute. I tend to shy away from using absolutes as they are rarely accurate. In this case, yes, reading always exposes a mind to new perspectives. It's how the brain works. New stimuli equals new neuronal connections. I encourage you to look into the discipline of neuropsychology. Being 2015, we are in the middle of a technological revolution. Paradigms of the past are shifting to paradigms of the future. Intelligent people are working together to scientifically prove theories, such as the one outlined in this comment, neuronal connections. Explore. How is incoming sensory information processed on a neuronal level? With each new thought, New neuronal connections are formed. Reading a book, even the third time around, will offer new perspectives. Essentially, the brain is a new brain upon each sensory experience. Think of it like a busy traffic intersection. The lights change in a sequence, allowing traffic to go left, right turn, navigate safely under calculated direction. Similarly, the brain's neuronal connections act as the traffic lights people in the cars as sensory input. Though commuters may take the same nine to five, the exact variables will never be truly the exact same. Thoughts, sensory stimuli, work within this meta as they may appear to be the same on the surface, yet experience calculated micro changes often lost to subconscious processing. The same old day, on a neuronal level is in fact a utopia of new stimuli for the brain to process. If my words appear to be psychobabble, look into the work of people you respect. 
people with degrees and scientific evidence to prove their point. Numbers, cutting-edge quantum measurement devices, and other quantifiable data you seek will not be found in this book. This book is about my perspective. The reader will investigate when needed. Number eight, both parties are able to ingest shared stimuli when pertinent detail is offered. Comment, need to use different words sometimes. How about absorb? I use the word ingest with intent. In conversing with people, I feel a lack of ingestion. Absorb comes after ingestion. Few people possess a skill of present moment awareness, thus ingestion of sensory input does not take place. Instead, people absorb assumptions. Ironically, I feel many of your statements lack ingestion of my perspective. Please take into account there's a difference between ingest and agree. I desire not for you to agree with me, but rather express ability to ingest my individual perspective. In essence, you are my target audience as I seek a pink zone understanding with you. After reading your statements, I feel we are drifting on our own yellow zone islands of varied definitions. Did you ingest, reflect, and modify the content offered in this book? The header of a section as ingest, reflect, and modify for deep level stimuli processing. Comment, too lengthy. Try just deep level stimuli processing as title, then describe the stages in this section. I think in terms of equations, algorithms. Yes, algorithms may contain words as opposed to strictly numeric values. The above is a word equation expressed as ingest plus reflect plus modify equals deep level stimuli processing. Number 10, understanding is a keystone of intelligence and deserves conscious awareness. Comment, understanding deserves conscious awareness, WTF, as opposed to unconscious, being conscious is being aware. Look it up, they are synonymous. I believe there are three layers of consciousness, consciousness, subconscious process, and universal consciousness. Consciousness, this is what you are referring to, being aware, thinking with thinking. In order for a human to truly be conscious, a certain level of present moment awareness is needed. Present moment awareness increases soul-based communication. The next layer consists of subconscious processes, thinking without thinking. Think of this layer as autopilot. For instance, walking. Subconsciously, the body is sending signals to move one leg, then the other, one leg, then the other. Once an action is consciously programmed, the action is moved to this layer, subconscious processing. Imagine a life where every action was consciously processed. Navigating simple tasks such as walking and talking would become a challenge. Knowing when and how to switch between conscious and subconscious thinking is a skill. This is what I am referring to. Lifting awareness above autopilot mindsets, consciously ingesting the environment, silencing assumptions in the place of pink zone tangibility. Many people subconsciously navigate through their environment. A surface level rather than deep understanding is reached. For example, the university system is primarily ingest and regurgitate. This meta lacks ingest, reflect, and modify. It lacks conscious awareness. Students are told what to think rather than utilizing critical thinking to reach a conclusion or truth. 
The third layer of consciousness is universal consciousness. This is an energy field connecting organic life on Earth and beyond. Non-local communication, signal-less communication, is possible when in this layer. Have you ever felt someone look at you without seeing them do so? Or thought of a friend and then they called? These are examples of signal-less communication, a mode of information transfer which moves faster than the speed of light. Number 11. With regard to the ingest, reflect, and modify example comparing food ingestion to stimuli ingestion, the comment, please change this. It makes no sense. Agreed. This one was tough to break down. (laughs) All right, number 12. An abundance of unknown flavors or perspectives exists beyond a perceived known. Comment. Why should one care about so many perspectives? Most are wrong, as there is only one truth. Definition of truth. A true or accepted statement or proposition. In order to have truth, there needs to be acceptance. Since acceptance is awarded on an individual basis, and humans are individuals, there may be several versions of truth, depending on who is asked. Has a seemingly known truth within your mind ever changed? The word wrong is defined as lacking in moral behavior and integrity. Immoral. Are other people's truths outside your own truly immoral? I believe designations of wrong behavior are best left up to omnipotent deities, God. Humans may agree and disagree among each other. Perhaps a more logical statement of your perspective would appear as, I disagree with other people's perspectives, which vary from my own. The gift of an individual perspective is a defining characteristic of humans. Who desires to live in a world full of carbon copies of themselves? I sure don't. I enjoy straying from my own pink zone and frolicking in someone else's. An open mind to new perspectives expedites learning, exercises critical thinking, and creates a grander concept of human nature outside one's own idea of truth. Number 13. Reflection may begin after stimuli is prepped for cognition. Once foundational components are processed, meditate upon newly introduced variables. Ask, is this stimuli beneficial towards my life? Examine continuums of infinite possibility with an open mind. Comment, why? I thought we wanted mutual understanding, not infinite possibilities. Can there be a mutual understanding with infinite possibilities? Perhaps being open to infinite possibilities creates a mutual understanding. If a person's subconscious process controls a conversation, limited access to infinite possibilities occurs. This is due to stigmas, filters, and perceived truths which define duties of subconscious processing. These barriers are needed for day-to-day life as a human. With effort, stigmas may be avoided through conscious ingestion of stimuli. In other words, Through present moment awareness, a human is able to evoke higher states of consciousness, reach a mutual understanding with infinite possibilities. Number 14, due to a high frequency of pish-posh words within the statement, we shall heighten our filters. Why? Pish-posh words are a red flag, a sign the speaker is subconsciously rather than consciously speaking. Comment, they are subconsciously telling you to drink apple cider vinegar, really? Yes, the speaker is speaking from a subconscious process rather than consciously formulating words. Everyone should make themselves are pish-posh words. 
these words often indicate a statement is logically false or the speaker themselves does not heed the advice offered. Please reread the example offered. The speaker is giving advice. They themselves probably don't follow. Consciously, the person will not admit to decreasing a suggested dosage of apple cider vinegar within their own life as their behavior is contradictory in nature. Consciously, the person will not admit to decreasing a suggested dosage of ACV within their own life as their behavior is contradictory in nature. Number 15, modify. Nonetheless, apple cider vinegar is a probiotic and examined as a variable among the diet of aged and healthy humans. Perhaps a daily serving is a bit more of a reasonable target to aim for. Comment, variable, wrong word. Maybe supplement, modify, with your own assumptions, of course, because you are the expert. A variable is defined as a quantity that may take on any of a set of values. A quantity is defined as a determinant or estimated amount. The statement ACV is a probiotic and examined as a variable among the diet of aged and healthy humans falls within the definition of a variable as the serving size is varied. The serving size is the quantity and the set of values are referring to ingestion of food, also known as a diet. ACV is a variable I have witnessed among the diet of aged and healthy humans. In other words, more than a few healthy, older humans include ACV as a component, one piece within a set of values known as their diet. ACV is a variable within an ever-changing diet. There exists a determinant or estimated amount, hence a variable. ACV's presence within a diet will vary. Are there variables within your diet or do you eat the exact same food servings daily? I don't recall calling myself an expert. Ironically, I believe expert to be a pish-posh word as I have met several experts who knew little in their field of study. This term was not used by me. Please reread the modify example. In contrast to believing I am an expert, I express a viewpoint of individual perspectives. The staged question in the example is intended to outline, ingest, reflect, and modify as a critical thinking process as opposed to a specific directive. Modify leads a reader to formulate their own individual ideas with regard to the relevancy of a concept. This meta, one of ingest, reflect, and modify, encourages people to stray from words like expert and encourages critical thinking on one's own. Okay, we will do one more because this one is one of my favorites. And then we will go back over the first 16. There are more. This is about halfway through. I think we're, we might do a part two. So let's dive into number 16. Even though algorithms suggest a false speaker, the advice offered is worth further investigation. In these situations, consciously ingest, reflect, and modify. Peel back layers of meaning in order to expose the core of information. Comment. Do you even know what an algorithm is? Please look this up. The definition of algorithm. A procedure for solving problems, especially in mathematics and computing. Again, we encounter especially, which implies other options besides numeric values. Words, for instance, may be considered variables within an algorithm. Even though algorithms suggest a false speaker, 
This statement follows the above definition as it speaks of a procedure for solving a problem. The procedure, ingest, reflect, and modify. The problem, identification of a false speaker. The algorithm, or procedure outlined, is helpful in solving the problem of identification of a false speaker. I remain unsure as to your understanding of the word algorithm, as only criticisms were offered, responses devoid of solution-based advice. Your statements leave me to assume the reason behind viewpoints, as logic is missing from the majority of your comments offered. Please look this up, is advice you may want to follow yourself. Okay, so that is 16 of the comments for the first round of Pish Posh Words. And Mustachio brings up a great point. So I use the word you during this podcast more so than any other. The reason is because I'm speaking to a specific person. You is meant to mean the person or persons addressed. I am addressing the person who wrote the comment. That is a proper use of the word you. Oftentimes people do the opposite. They'll speak from the I perspective. If I had wrote, when you do this, you feel this way, that would be pish posh because I am assuming that the person I'm speaking to has the exact same feelings as me when I participate in said activity. Okay, so let's go ahead and give a little comment on each comment and then we'll wrap it up for today. Number one, if comments are vague or lack an example, ability to ingest information within a conversation decreases. Comment, does it have to be a conversation? So this comment is one that I come across frequently, not with this specific word formulation, but many of them. I feel as though (laughs) with this comment and many comments, I present something and then someone else presents whatever that is in a different format. So for example, let's say I have a boat. I say, hey, would you like to hop in this boat and go across the lake? And the person says to me, that's not a boat. And I look at the boat and I say, why? Tell me more. Why is this not a boat? And the comment is, well, if I fill it up with water, it'll sink. And then it's not a boat. Yes, if it is filled with water, (laughs) it won't be a boat. It will be at the bottom of the lake. And I do caution people when approaching abstract thoughts, something new, to ingest what it is to first view it as a boat, view it as the other person presents it before presenting that 1% worst case scenario. There's enough of that in the world. I think it's time for us to start focusing on more of the positive scenarios which we come across in life. Number two, in summary, the pink zone is a shared understanding of stimuli, meaning an object or concept is tangible comment objects tangible never concepts this is a big one the type of thinking behind this comment is one that i've come across for the last 10 years especially in the university systems where consciousness is not considered beyond the sense of touch is not considered to me it feels very limited to think of 
concepts as not being tangible, as not being perceptible, I think is a strange way to live. Breaking it down with the definition of tangible is perceptible. And that's why I use the word tangible. It signifies to perceive, to become aware through the senses. Becoming aware. I love that word as part of perceptible. I interpret it as conscious thinking as opposed to subconscious process. And it's strange. I do wonder if this person does uh, think by this definition, do you consider sound tangible? I would consider sound tangible. I think sound is perceptible. I don't think in most applications it's touchable, graspable, but then does that mean it's not perceivable? I do believe this has to do with scientific materialism. There are many paradigms in thinking and I believe the paradigms are beginning to shift. You encourage folks to look into scientific materialism and how that does or does not apply to modern ideas of tangibility. Number three, if words and thoughts do not match, slow down a discussion and ask questions. Investigate. Is the topic one where variables are measured with a similar lens? Comment. Don't tell your reader what to do. Tell them what is needed for pink zone. Lenses don't measure, they distort or focus on. I feel as though this person did not ingest my individual perspective because I don't feel as though I was telling the reader what to do. I view it as encouraging critical thinking. And that is the core of the approach of 3H2 humans is to instill critical thinking. I'm relatively young, I'm in my early 30s. I have not figured everything out. There is much that I don't know. (laughs) There's more that I don't know than I do. And I recognize this about me. And I recognize the mind is infinitely upgradable. I feel being open to this, being open to knowing that we as humans don't know everything, I think is a healthy perspective. And with that, to recognize the difference between a specific directive. So as the reader was saying, don't tell your reader what to do. I I don't view it that way. When I read a book and someone has advice and I don't feel it as a specific directive. I feel it as a critical thinking exercise. I ingest, reflect and modify. So for me, I don't even know if someone can tell me what to do. I'm, I'm not a five-year-old. I'm an adult. I can think on my own. And then with the lenses don't measure, they distort or focus on, I'm glad that that comment was made. It evoked thinking towards the differences of vocabulary depending on what discipline is examined. I take an interdisciplinary approach to education. I measure concepts within different disciplines, then kind of Frankenstein my own idea of what I feel is logical and illogical. And I encourage other people to do this. If a word feels as though it's out of place, rather than shutting down and saying, no, it's not, investigate. Ask, tell me more. On a side note, (laughs) the universe granted me a a gift through my struggles. I 
am currently in an online class with Dr. Amit Goswami as of now with no power and no internet. <laughs> the uh, wonderful abundance of information is slightly out of reach, but I asked a question. I posed it in the chat room of the classroom about unconsciousness, the word that came up within example number three. For example, unconscious. In quantum physics, the un is understood to mean unity. In American psychology, the un is understood to mean lacking. Quite strange, the same word has opposite meaning depending on the application of the word. A writer chooses meaning as opposed to the reader when seeking a pink zone understanding of information. Use caution when exploring unfamiliar disciplines as sometimes the obvious is false. When the class started with Amit Goswami, I wanted to clear up some definitions. I have been bothered by the term unconscious. In American psychology, I feel that subconscious is more appropriate because the dialect I use, un, is to mean lacking. I asked Dr. Goswami, why in quantum physics is it the universal unconsciousness to mean un? If it's something I can feel, something that is tangible and a part of my life, how can that be un? I was baffled. And his response was that the un is related to unity. It's a different definition than what I was used to. Because I was open, because I put myself out there and challenged my own definitions, it was scary, I'll admit it. In these situations, sometimes I need to go back to the drawing board, erase what I've got and start over. And I'm okay with that. I would rather start over then continue on a false path. And that's what I feel critical thinking does. It helps to shift thinking towards a more productive approach than following because I said so advice. So I posed a logical question and received a logical answer. It was awesome. <laughs> to be able to converse with someone I have deep respect for and someone who in a time of despair, gave me pink zone responses. I do encourage folks out there, if there is a, a mentor, check out their website, see if they have an online seminar or events coming up. It was synchronistic. This particular class started on Halloween. That was when I anticipated the book to be done, but I felt no one understood me and the content was rejected by my peers. I just, I felt lost. And then bam, a, uh, a person much more advanced in his thinking than me is offering an online class with regard to consciousness. It wasn't planned. It was, oh my gosh, this starts in two days or something of that nature, or maybe the next day. It was soon, I found it just in time. <laughs> and I hadn't, Checked out his website in, oh gosh, maybe, maybe even a year, a long time. It was intuition, I think, that guided me to a resource I needed in a time of need. I encourage folks to reach out to a mentor. Sometimes ungraspable people are within reach.
<laughs> so yes, Mustachio has a good point. Am I going to clarify the whole unconsciousness thing? Thank you. Um, I, although I feel the quantum definition of universal unconsciousness and referring to unconscious as unity conscious, I, uh, I just feel society's not ready for that. That um, I am removing myself from the whole un arena because it's too confusing for me and I'm sticking with subconscious because that feels most comfortable. But I do recognize if I did want to be, oh gosh, that, that's a tough one. Perhaps accurate is the right word to use unconscious, but ooh, there's the question. I need to do more research. It's all woo, mind blown. <laughs> Back to the drawing board, but for the first edition of Pish Posh Words, I am going to stick with subconscious to mean what the American psychology definition of unconscious traditionally means. I think it's important to get the word subconscious out into conversations. Number four, humans can talk for hours and produce only a few mutually ingestible variables. Comment. Variables are things subject to change. Maybe you mean ideas or concepts. And with this particular reader, there was a difference in scientific paradigms between us. That is the main yellow zone disconnect. I consider consciousness as a part of my scientific paradigm. I don't believe he does. I think his viewpoints are based off of a different realm of science. That being said, I believe we can reach a shared understanding if we can get in the pink zone, if we can agree to disagree and recognize that his truth is different than my truth and that's okay. And with the variable, uh, yes, variables are subject to change. Word meaning is subject to change as well as within a dialogue. And the wrap up comment of, I believe your definition of variable is similar to mine, lacking concrete properties. That's what I consider a variable. A variable is something lacking concrete properties. It has an ability to vary, and considering how the human mind works, each individual is like its own different little computer that it's difficult for me to think of something that's not a variable. In contrast to his thinking, only quantifiable lab equipment stuff can be variables. I think pretty much uh, everything's a variable because it has the properties to vary depending on which person's perspective is viewing it. So Mustachio brings up the observer effect. There's a lot more going on to perceiving our environment than we often think, than many people often think. Number five, essentially effort put through yellow zone vocabulary may produce undesirable results when considering optimized communication. Comment, but maybe desirable too. Who are you to judge what is optimal for other people? I feel like this is one of the boat ones where I'm saying, hey, you want to jump in my boat and go across the lake? And then the person gets a 55 gallon garbage pail full of water, pours it in my dinghy and a dinghy no more. (laughs) And 
I do encourage others out there. If someone dumps water in your dinghy, dive down, grab a hold of it and pull it to shore. Dump the water out and get back to it. And I recognize that with this comment. This is emotion-based. I feel this comment shows signs of decreased intelligence, a lack of logical thinking, and it's emotion-based, but maybe desirable too. I mean, why point that out? Why point out that a boat isn't a boat if it's filled with water? Uh, it's just, it feels like it's stating an obvious that is in a negative direction. I, I, I personally don't understand the point, but we digress. <laughs> and two, with my word selection, I'm very meticulous in I put qualifiers such as may produce undesired results when considering optimized communication. So I'm really laying it out there and saying, these are the specific parameters where this concept applies. I was a bit surprised that the conclusion of it was that I was judging people. I, I still a bit confused. I do hope this reader responds to my inquiries. <laughs> Trish Blackwell did not. <laughs> I remain waiting to hear her response, but uh, luckily I'm patient. And I really like how this one is wrapped up where humans are creatures of free will and capable of critical thinking. We choose which information to hold and what to discard as nonsense. In essence, it is the individual who is the judge as opposed to another, as implied by your comment. And that's how I feel. I'm the judge of me. I think everybody is the judge of themselves. To judge another, I think that goes in the moral judgments category. You know, let's leave that up to omnipotent deities, to God. Us mere mortal humans, I feel, uh, may lack a logical position to judge another human. Number six, expand further when relaying information as to remove assumption-based pish-posh words. Comment, you aren't removing words, but adding to them to make them more descriptive. Don't tell a reader what to do. Instead, expanding further, dot, dot, removes, dot, dot. So this is a frustrating meta, which pops up often, where I feel as though the reader did not ingest. And I give the definition of removal, to get rid of, eliminate. The word good was eliminated from the above word formulation. I believe this to be, by definition, a removal. So I don't fully understand why that comment was offered. Because um, I feel to me, so here we go, the word obvious and clear. To me, it's clearly obvious. The yellow zone, the word good was there. The pink zone, the word good is not there. Hence, removal. Bing, bang, done. <laughs> like, it just, I become slightly frustrated that I spend my time explaining words such as removal when I feel as though I set it up in a fashion where it's, ingestible. So then now I question, is it me or is it the other person? And I have enough questions right now. <laughs> but yeah, here we are. We are uh, giving each comment its due diligence. And I was speaking with a friend about this where I don't want to penpeck comments. I feel if I was 
overly selective in which comments I addressed and which ones I didn't, then I would be like Trish Blackwell. I would run away from scary things, from approaching my insecurities. And because I kind of thought, oh my, I, I doubted myself. Am I using the word removal wrong? Is this wrong? Am I immoral? And then all these thoughts go and it's a scary place. But I found with a dictionary and a writing utensil of some sort, eh, everything seems to work out okay. Number seven, reading exposes a mind to new perspectives. Comment. Does reading always expose a mind to new perspectives? So here we go again. The reader added a word that I did not use. And this happened with always, expert, judge. All these words that aren't a part of my vocabulary were somehow transposed upon me. It's a strange, strange phenomenon. So I don't fully understand why the person added always. Uh, but synchronistically, yes, reading always exposes a mind to new perspectives. And I like how in this comment we go over the same old day is not the same old day to the brain. There are ever-changing things. The, the garbage can may be three degrees changed from the day before. The mail from the day before sitting on the coffee table. That's new stimuli. All these things are new because they are variables. They vary. Even though it's slight and mostly lost to subconscious processing, be aware. Notice. Life opens the mind to new perspectives. Not just reading or listening to podcasts or speaking with mentors. Life. Walking outside. When I go on a walk around the block, I gain new perspectives. That's how the brain works. New stimuli equals new neuronal connections. And to, uh, <laughs> it is kind of funny. This particular reader thinks that I am uh, uneducated because I'm a high school dropout. And it took me, gosh, I started college, junior college at West Valley Junior College in Saratoga, California in, when I was... 17 and I completed my degree at Washington State University in Pullman, Washington when I was oof, I think 28 or 29. I was in college for 10 years. <laughs> On and off, I had jobs and did a bunch of stuff, but two people who are classically university educated, I look like an idiot, a big old dum-dum, big old dum-dum high school dropout. And I'm okay with that. If someone's going to judge me because of my educational background, then they're likely not worth my time. Okay, Mustachio says, yes, they are worth my time. <laughs> everybody's worth everybody's time. And I agree with that. I have fun with uh, criticism. It helps me grow. So here we go. Here's my uh, favorite part about this one. Number seven. If my words appear to be psychobabble, look into the work of people you respect, people with degrees and scientific evidence to prove their point. Numbers, cutting edge quantum measurement devices, and other quantifiable data you seek will not be found in this book. This book is about my perspective, 
the reader will investigate when needed. And that's how I feel. That's what I do when I read and I don't understand something or it's abstract. I investigate. I look at people in that same discipline, outside that discipline, and explore the infinite possibilities of what this new information can potentially be. And I encourage people who read pish posh words (laughs) when it comes out (laughs) to investigate. If there's something that doesn't make sense or may appear to be false, get another perspective. I think that's one of the fundamental components of critical thinking is investigating abstract thought. Number eight, both parties are able to ingest shared stimuli when pertinent detail is offered. Comment, need to use different words sometimes. How about absorb? This one frustrated me a little bit because with this particular reader, I have tremendous difficulty recognizing ingestion of concepts with him. Uh, I would say it's more of deflection. Ooh, what's that mustachio deflection? Inge- I did not understand that those were at opposite ends of the continuum. So bam, learning ensues. With this reader and many people I've encountered in speaking about pishposh words, the information is deflected rather than ingested. Sometimes that's a beneficial filter and maybe that person's not meant to ingest the information and I respect that. It's challenging for me because I feel pish posh words is a calculated approach to conscious communication and I've dedicated essentially my life to this work. So I'm very passionate about it. For me to pose it in such a way that it's deflected, uh, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. But we continue forth. Part for number eight. In essence, you are my target audience as I seek a pink zone understanding with you. After reading your statements, I feel we are drifting on our own yellow zone islands of varied definitions. Did you ingest, reflect, and modify the content offered in this book? I think he and many folk, including myself sometimes, jump straight to modify. That's how the process came about was slowing my mind down, figuring out the stages of critical thinking, in what situations I was benefited and which ones not so much. So it's all about running the algorithms. Number nine, the header of section as in just reflect and modify for deep level stimuli processing. Comment, too lengthy. Try, pish posh word, just deep level stimuli processing as title, then describe the stages in this section. So we're talking about how it's an equation. Many of the formulas are word equations, word problems, algorithms, processes for solving something. And that's what ingest, reflect, and modify is. It's stages and then an equal sign, deep level stimuli processing. I wanted to figure out what is deep level stimuli processing? How can it be achieved? And how can it be put in ingestible words? Because I think in pictures, just pictures and all kinds of stuff. So there is a translation that my mind goes through and sometimes the translations suck. I know that. Uh, 
But I think ingest, reflect, and modify makes sense. So I'm sticking to my guns. Number 10, understanding is a keystone of intelligence and deserves conscious awareness. Comment, understanding deserves conscious awareness, WTF, as opposed to unconscious? Being conscious is being aware. Look it up, they are synonymous. This is one of the strongest barriers I am faced with. And I think many people in my position, those who speak about consciousness, are faced with the myriad of terms and differences of terms depending on disciplines. It is a disaster. (laughs) But I think that's great. I think we're about to hit rock bottom in terms of unawareness to consciousness. And then we're going to, as a uh, a species, as humans, we're going to rebuild what consciousness is, that it is perceptible. It is a part of our lives as humans. And I feel recognizing consciousness and including it within one's own algorithms is a wise choice. When I talk about understanding deserves conscious awareness, what I mean by that is it deserves the ingest stage and the reflect stage and the modify. I believe that is conscious awareness rather than, I, I know for me in college, it was ingest and regurgitate. And rather than being consciously aware of the material, it was root memorizing. I was memorizing terms, spitting them on a piece of paper, and then dumping them. And I don't think that's learning. I do stress conscious awareness to be in the moment and to move thinking from a subconscious process to conscious awareness. And uh, here we go, we'll do a little blurb. Imagine a life where every action was consciously processed. <laughs> Imagine a life where every action was consciously processed. Navigating simple tasks such as walking and talking would become a challenge. Knowing when and how to switch between conscious and subconscious thinking is a skill. This is what I am referring to. Lifting awareness above autopilot mindsets, consciously ingesting the environment, silencing assumptions in the place of pink zone tangibility. Number 11, the ingest, reflect, and modify example comparing food ingestion to stimuli ingestion. Comment, please change this. It makes no sense. Uh, I wouldn't go as far to say it makes no sense. I think if someone really gave it the old college try, it could be understood, but I do recognize it's challenging. It was challenging for me to compare the food ingestion to stimuli ingestion. Although in my head, I see it and it makes sense, putting it down into words, being meticulous in each stage, how they relate to each other. It's a challenge. I need to fix this. I do appreciate this comment. Thank you. Number 12, an abundance of unknown flavors or perspectives exists beyond a perceived known. Comment, why should one care about so many perspectives? Most are wrong as there is only one truth. This has been a philosophical topic of debate for long time, (laughs) many moons, many planets, 
And uh, so what is truth? Uh, this reader comments, most are wrong, as there is only one truth. And I'm going to put my little peg at the opposite end of that continuum of thinking. We imagine a continuum with truth at the top and on one end, this person's thinking that there's only one truth and other truths are essentially immoral. And then at the other end, where there are infinite truths, each person's truth is respected as such, as their essence of individuality. I think that's what truth really boils down to. We spoke about how a component of truth is acceptance. So in order to have truth, there needs to be acceptance. And acceptance is offered on an individual basis. In essence, then wouldn't there be individual truths? I, uh, I feel like that's kind of an intuitive basic logic problem. But uh, we shall see what his response is. For this one, let's go ahead and read. The gift of an individual perspective is a defining characteristic of humans. Who desires to live in a world full of carbon copies of themselves? I sure don't. I enjoy straying from my own pink zone and frolicking in someone else's. An open mind to new perspectives expedites learning, exercises critical thinking, and creates a grander concept of human nature outside one's own idea of truth. And I've explored other truths. I'm a vegetarian, got my hunting license and went hunting. I didn't shoot anything but I wanted to understand hunting. I had a negative perspective on hunters. I recognized in order to fully understand what it's about, I needed to walk in the footsteps of those who hunted before I came to a conclusion. I wanted to ingest, reflect, and modify. And I did, and my truth changed. I went from thinking hunters were immoral people, just slaughtering animals, haphazardly to recognizing many people who hunt help maintain wildlife. They give back. It's a mutually beneficial relationship to a higher capacity than I previously understood. I do encourage folks to explore the other end of the continuum, ingest another's viewpoint. Number 13, reflection may begin after stimuli is prepped for cognition. Once foundational components are processed, meditate upon newly introduced variables. Ask, is this stimuli beneficial towards my life? Examine continuums of infinite possibility with an open mind. Comment, why? I thought we wanted mutual understanding, not infinite possibilities. So this comment presented abstract thought for me. I had not pondered this. Uh, the potential for a mutual understanding to not be about infinite possibilities. I flip that. In my head, I process it as infinite possibilities creates a mutual understanding. That's one of the foundational components is being open to anything. If I were not open to infinite possibilities, I wouldn't have embraced hunting culture. I would have stuck to my stigmas, held on to my dogmas and called it a day. But in order to reach that mutual understanding, to go in the hunter's pink zone, I needed to be open 
to express infinite possibilities, to allow for the possibility that hunters are good people. So we talk about good. <laughs> there is no good and bad and right or wrong, but that I would feel comfortable in an environment where hunting took place. Uh, previously, I didn't think that. So I do believe infinite possibilities help create mutual understandings. Can there be a mutual understanding with infinite possibilities? Perhaps being open to infinite possibilities creates a mutual understanding. If a person's subconscious process controls a conversation, limited access to infinite possibilities occurs. That's what I was talking about before the stigmas. Those are locked away in the uh, subconscious processes. Number 14. Due to a high frequency of pish-posh words within the statement, we shall heighten our filters. Why? Pish-posh words are a red flag, a sign the speaker is subconsciously rather than consciously speaking. Comment? They are subconsciously telling you to drink apple cider vinegar? Really? With that, yes, that's a big part of pish-posh words. And I'm glad this reader points this out. Within my thinking, I feel as though I'm in tune when another person is speaking subconsciously. It's something that's a big part of my life. To me, I feel it, it's easily identifiable, but I recognize what's easily identifiable to me is abstract thought to someone else and vice versa. Things that are easy for some people are abstract to me. It's just human nature. Please reread the example offered. The speaker is offering advice they themselves probably don't follow. Consciously, the person will not admit to decreasing a suggested dosage of ACV within their own life as their behavior is contradictory in nature. When people use words such as everyone should make themselves, uh, I believe that person does not follow their own advice because it's an illogical word formulation. And I think people who think consciously and are in tune with a shared reality tend to speak in more logical terms and especially should make themselves. That's, ah, that's like the, because I said so mentality makes me crazy. <laughs> so they are subconsciously telling you to drink. Yes. Be aware when people use words. I do recommend paying attention to the 20 pish posh words. Give those extra attention. Number 15, modify. Nonetheless, apple cider vinegar is a probiotic and examined as a variable among the diet of aged and healthy humans. Perhaps a daily serving is a bit more of a reasonable target to aim for. Comment, variable, wrong word. Maybe supplement, modify, with your own assumptions, of course, because you are the expert. <sighs> this comment, <sighs> this is the, <laughs> the, the second time I've received a comment of this nature uh, stating, oh, because you're the expert. And it, that's just so, I view it as kind of childish. What, uh, I don't call myself an expert. I, I'm an explorer. I'm a scientist. I'm a human. Um... For me, that, that shows more of a deflection rather than ingestion type of mindset to aggressively, passive aggressively call someone an expert. 
I think it's strange too. With this comment, the person tells me that the word is wrong, but doesn't say why. Just variable, that's the wrong word. It says supplement or, but doesn't explain why it doesn't fall within the grounds of a variable. So I explain what a variable is. This is in fact a variable because it varies. This meta, one of ingest, reflect, and modify, encourages people to stray from words like expert and encourages critical thinking on one's own. That's the main thing we like to do at 3H2, inspire critical thinking. I think that is different than expert advice. I see it as a mastermind symposium of infinite possibility rather than a because I said so approach. Okay, number 16. Even though algorithms suggest a false speaker, the advice offered is worth further investigation. In these situations, consciously ingest, reflect, and modify. Peel back layers of meaning in order to expose the core of information. Comment, do you even know what an algorithm is? Please look this up. So again, I believe this is an illogical comment rather than the person offer their definition, they're asking me to look it up. This is another common thing I come across. For example, someone said my behavior was esoteric. And I said, okay, um, I'm not really familiar with that word. What do you mean by esoteric? And the person said, look it up. <laughs> and I think it's because sometimes people use words they themselves don't fully understand. And that's okay, I do that too. It's a part of being human. There are so many words to know the definitions backwards and forwards of every word I think is uh, unreasonable. But then to use a word and then to tell someone else to do the footwork to understand what is being said, I feel that to be a bit of a narcissistic approach in saying my time is more valuable than yours. You're wrong but you go figure out why. I don't believe that's mentoring. I, uh, I believe that's uh, lower levels of thinking, more of the reptilian mindset. Do you even know what an algorithm is? Please look this up. Maybe there's great advice. Maybe I am using the word wrong and immorally, but there's no ping zone understanding. This comment is not very useful in its current form. And I use the definition of algorithm to mean a procedure for solving problems. That's what I, uh, that's what I go by. All right. <laughs> so there we go. There are 16 comments for Pish Posh Words, the book, <laughs> soon to be released, hopefully within this lifetime, <laughs> as Mustachio so throws in. <laughs> so we are going to have a new anticipated completion date of December 15th. Uh, that's a bit more of a reachable goal. Prior, it was yesterday, November 18th. I extended the Halloween one to the 18th because of complications such as the ones discussed today. I seek a pink zone understanding with someone. And I've exhausted my friends, my family, the strangers I've met. I have difficulty having an intelligent conversation with someone regarding this material. It's uh, proposing some challenges for me, 
but I'm becoming stronger. I'm researching these theories more deeply, explaining them on a grander scale. So this is all healthy, but <laughs> I do want to get the book done. <laughs> For everyone who has offered feedback, I appreciate it greatly. And if anyone has additional feedback, I would love to hear comments. Please uh, shoot us an email. And to any uh, new folk, I've been out and about a lot recently and uh, have handed out some cards. It would be great to hear from some of the people I've come across on this journey of exploration. <laughs> All right, the listener challenge is to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. To have basic level emergency supplies on hand to consider during some sort of event to create mutually beneficial scenarios for one another, to have that tribal mindset. We as humans are a species which rely on each other. Our relationships help us. They are a part of who we are as a species. So let's uh, come together and uh, stay ready so we don't have to get ready. All right. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.